Good morning, Hope City Church. How we doing? Oh, come on. That music was too good just to be answering like that. Can I say hello? How are you doing this morning? Listen, if you're watching online right now in your living room or maybe driving in your car, wherever you're seeing this, we are so glad that you are a part of our services here at Hope City Church. And we are so excited that we are together in this building and together as a church. Hey, listen, my name is Joe. And if I've not had a chance to meet you, I would love to do so after service. Or let me tell you another way that you can get a hold of me and one of the other pastors here at the church is you can go and take a bold step. And you can text the word HCNEW to 33777. And that just lets us know that maybe you're not, you're not as connected as you want to be. You feel like you're new. Maybe it is your first time. Maybe it's your first time watching online today. Or maybe someone invited you today. We want you to get connected to the community that we call Hope City Church. A, a community that believes in the hope of Jesus. And so I just want to challenge you today. If, if you're new here, take a step. It's the new year. Do something new and and make a resolution or make a decision to get connected. Hey, last week we started a series of messages called The Happiness Advantage. The Happiness Advantage. And Pastor Jason last week did an amazing job setting us up for this five-week series where we talk about the happiness that comes with living the Jesus way. Last week we talked about generosity Just a little bit of a recap as we learned that without Jesus, we were never content or truly, truly satisfied. Uh, We can always be chasing status or or position or, or, and those things may sustain us for a little while, but when we hoard the things of this world, we forget that God has called us to be generous and ultimately leaving us feeling empty. And so we also thought about how we, how we measured our lives. And we also learned the Jesus way of generosity. And that was to earn it honestly, save it gradually, give it generously, spend it wisely, and enjoy it carefully. And when we do these things, it ultimately lives us with a happiness advantage for our life. And so today and over the next several weeks, we're going to continue hearing Things or ways, what we call the Jesus way. You may know it as Christianity. And what we, what we come to understand is that Christianity, it's, it's very counterintuitive to the ways of this world. And so as we're learning about generosity, purpose, self-control, gratitude, and forgiveness, know that we're ultimately trying to answer this question. And that is, does Jesus actually give us a better life? We have to ask that ourselves. Do we... Do we believe that a life with Jesus is, is actually better? Now, if you were here last week or, and you came back or maybe you watched online with us last week and you're here watching again, you probably think yes. Maybe you believe you think yes. Or you may find yourself today still trying to figure that out. Now, know that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, to follow the Jesus way, that this isn't a one-time decision. It's something that we have to do over and over and over on a daily, daily basis. It's the way that you're going to find happiness, contentment, peace, joy, that I feel that everyone is desperately searching for. Let me explain to you or use Jesus' own words for your purpose in your life and the purpose of why Jesus came to this earth. In John 10, 10, it says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus 
offers you a way to a rich and satisfying life. You know, we're talking about the Jesus way, but I also want to let you know that people that don't necessarily follow Jesus, some scientists and researchers, have come up with this conclusion when they do research about people that follow Jesus, people that participate in regular religious activities. They're more optimistic. They have lower rates of depression. They're less likely to commit suicide. They have a greater sense of purpose for their life. They're less likely to be divorced, and they have more self-control. I don't know about you, but a little life with a little bit more self-control would probably lead to a happier, a happier life. And see, this is what we mean by the happiness advantage. The world offers you a short-term fix, but Jesus offers you the real thing. So I want to tell you a little quick story about learning things that are new. Okay, last night, my son, Kai, I'm a, I'm a dad, a, a father, a husband, I have three kids, and my son, Kai, last night was like, hey, dad, I want to play video games with you, and I was like, okay, I'll suffer, I mean, I'm called to you, God's given me you as a gift, I'll do the hard things, so he calls me to play video games, <laughs> bless him, so I decide to play this game, Kai's like, hey, dad, we're going to play this game, it's, it's called Rocket League, I don't know if you've played Rocket League, I know um, my good friend Matthew, he plays online with us, but you play this game. And this is where we're at in the world. Instead of playing with real remote control cars, there's a video game about playing with remote control cars. And you have to learn how to drive them, but not only in like regular uh, space, but there's a 3D space in this world. You can go upside down, you can travel through the air, fire shoots out your trunk, all the while you're trying to play soccer. It is so confusing. Up is down, left is right, backwards is forwards. And honestly, I've played it with Kai for like a month. I, I just, I, I do this. I hit the buttons. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know about you, but when I try to figure out my life, I feel like I'm just hitting the buttons hoping it works. I feel like I don't, God, uh, A, B, select, start. I just, I don't know. But listen, as you, as you dedicate your life to Jesus, you say, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus. That's how our life can feel. What once was up is now down. What's back is now forward. What's right is now, is now left. And so, not just to equate life to video games, let me give you some stoic information as we feel we need to go deep sometimes, or I do. Soren Kierkegaard, he was a philosopher in the 1800s, a theologian. He made this statement when trying to understand the purpose for our life. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. And what he means by that, and he goes on to say, is that we are condemned to be free. See, the, the, what he means is, is that you have to figure out your own way. People can show you, but ultimately, you have your choice to go which way you want to go. And so now the question is, for your life, for you to have a better life, you need to decide, is it your way or is it the Jesus way? And so today, I've kind of teased it a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about purpose. And, and as we look and we think about purpose, I know for me, when I go to look for information, the first thing I do is I grab a book. And so when we think about purpose and we think about living as a Christian, what do you think the first book that people look for? Well, if you look on uh, the bestseller list of, of the last couple decades, the number one selling book, Christian book on discovering your purpose is a book called uh, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but if you look, it's on most of the number one top selling best lists for uh, 
Publishers, uh, Publishers Weekly and the Wall Street Journal, uh, they say that it was spent 90 weeks on the top sellers list, and it's been translated in 85 languages. I bet there's a good chance right now, if you're watching online with us today, or you're in this room, you probably have a copy of Purpose Driven Life. Who has one? I have two. I've bought several. <laughs> and so that, why do you think is that? Why do you think that is? Why do you think people want to buy a book and, and study these things and try to find out their purpose? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, or, or maybe you find yourself not following Jesus, but questioning, do I have a purpose? I believe that everyone has asked the question, what is the purpose in my life? I think many people go throughout life discouraged because they find themselves thinking they don't have a purpose. Listen, whoever you are, whatever your life experiences, your talents, your physical abilities, don't think that you don't have a purpose. That's honestly, that's not true. When researching purpose, I, I, I thought of people throughout history that we, we think of when they are full of purpose, when you think, man, they lived a life doing something on purpose. And when I think of that, I think of a couple people. I thought of George Washington Carver. I thought of Michelangelo. And I thought of myself. <laughs> so let's do something we all like to do. Let's talk about ourselves. Let's talk about me for a moment. My wife and I, we just recently had an opportunity. We, we sold our house and we are moving. We lived in our house for six years. And listen, moving, it, it, it's hard. We, we love our neighbors, but we feel like the season that we're in right now, we're we're going to something different. And so we're going to miss Miss Terry and, and Juan and Jamika and Brian and Teal. Like, we're going to miss them. But what I'm also going to miss is my backyard. If you've been to my house, I love it. My, my wife, her and I, uh, about three years ago, we decided that we wanted to do something special in our backyard. Karen had a plan. I had instructions. She decided what we wanted to do, and then I was able to work and do those things and build what she wanted. See, Karen, she had a vision to create a space for, for people to gather, to relax, to, to have dinner together, to have moments of, of prayer together. And, and we worked together following the plans and the instructions on purpose to create what our backyard would become. And see, the, the thought about when you walk in my backyard is you can't miss that someone had a plan or a purpose when they started. The same thing on a different scale can be true for George Washington Carver. See, he grew up not in an easy life. He was born right before the Civil War to a family that was enslaved. But through perseverance and, and hard work, he not only graduated from high school, but he also graduated from the University of Iowa State. He became their first black student and also their first African-American faculty member. See, uh, Dr. Carver lived a life on purpose. There are many stories of him waking up every morning asking God for directions, where he would go at 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning and praying and, and asking God as he started his morning, seeking God's purpose and direction for his life. I want to share just a quick story that comes from, one of his, uh, comes from a biography about him where Dr. Carver relates his own conversation that he had with God. Let me read it to you. It says this. I asked God, why did you make the universe, Lord? Ask for something more proportionate to the little mind of yours, God replied. Why did you make the earth? I asked. 
Your little mind still wants to know far too much. Ask something more to the portion of your little mind, God replies. Why did you make man, Lord? I asked. Far too much, far too much. Ask again, replied God. Explain to me why you made plants, Lord, I asked. Your little mind still wants to know far too much, the Lord replied. What about peanuts? I asked. Yes, for your modest portion, I will grant you the master of the peanut. And then you will know why I made the peanut, God said. God was true to his word, and Dr. Carver was true to his work. The National Peanut Board reports that Dr. Carver revealed over 300 uses for the peanut. What once wasn't a cash crop, it ultimately became over a $200 million industry. When one man humbly turned to God and asked him to understand the concept that God had for the peanut, he was able to discover it. One last thing about people living with a purpose, talking to God. Michelangelo, perhaps the history's greatest sculptor, understood seeing God in every moment. Here's a famous quote from him. And every block of stone has a statue inside of it. And its purpose is for the sculptor to discover. When I saw, the, I saw an angel in the marble, and then I carved it until it was set free. Michelangelo, he formed his art out of what he believed God had already placed inside the stone. He had figured out what was already there inside this hunk of stone, and God was merely guiding his hands that were able to set the image free. See, Karen had a purpose for our backyard, and I got to play a part in it. Michelangelo had no concept of what he was carving, but only knew to be obedient to what God had him to do. And George Washington Carver asked God to unleash the greatest potential that he could find in a peanut. Now listen, if you ever find yourself just working at McDonald's, or maybe you're making a million dollars a year, God has a purpose for your life. If you're a stay-at-home mom, a rocket scientist, or a student, your mission is the same. Do you live life as Dr. Carver and Michelangelo seeking God's direction for your life? Asking him what your purpose is? Do you begin every day inviting God in through prayer to open your mind and to show you what he has created you to do? Listen to me when I I, want to say this to you today is when you believe that God has you right where you are for a reason, you are right where God wants you to be. See, when you believe that the creator of the universe has created you to, to create, you have a purpose. Maybe right now you're thinking, wow, that's great, Joe. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for creating me. But I still don't know. Maybe you're thinking today that you're like, I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. Well, let me tell you what it's not. Your life is not meant to be searching, constantly searching for a purpose. And your, and your, your uh, tension today is definitely not to quit your job tomorrow and go on a vision quest finding your purpose. Let me tell you what your purpose is. Your purpose for your life is found right here, and it's found in Ephesians 2 and 10. And it says that, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Listen to me. Online, overflow room today here in this auditorium, there's two things you need to know today. God created you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not a, you're not a failure. You haven't messed up. No matter what people in your life have told you, that's not true. 
God created you. And the second thing you need to know is that God has a plan for you. There is more to life than whatever you're experiencing now. And here's our big ideal for today. Our big ideal for today is your life's purpose is to live with purpose. It's to live with purpose. See, the, Lord, the world wants to define you by what you do, but not God. Not God. See, I believe that God calls people. I believe God calls people to be pastors, to, to be missionaries. But see, I also believe that God calls people to be bankers, to be bakers, to be baristas, accountants, construction workers, teachers, and car salesmen. Listen, God called Adam and Eve to be the first gardeners. Okay, God calls people. Often when you think of your calling, you think of it as something that is tough and, and mysterious to figure out. Listen, I talk to a lot of people, and I know that there are a lot of people right now in their life waiting, hoping, wishing from this mysterious call from God for their life. They're waiting for a, a form of a dream or a vision, maybe like a supernatural moment. And that can happen. It happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. It, it, it happened to Moses in a, in a burning bush. But these are stories of supernatural exceptions to the rule. I believe that God calls all people. But, but that is an exception to the rule when it happens in a miraculous way. Because know that innately, God has put a purpose in all of our lives. And the, way, the better way to think of your calling is think of it like this. What are you good at? What has God made you good at? What has God hardwired you to do? And what do you want you feel like your life is supposed to be about? See, your calling isn't something you can choose. Your calling isn't your spouse. It isn't what you're going to have for lunch. It isn't where you live. It's something that you discover over your lifetime, asking God to help you unearth that purpose that he has put inside of you. So when you, when you go to seek your individual calling from God... Ask him this, how have you created me to complete your purpose? No matter, no matter your vocation, your job, your place, your calling in life, as a follower of Jesus, he's called all of us. And, and, and as a follower of Jesus, our purpose in our life is to do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I want to share just a quick story in the Bible about someone who lived with an intense purpose. Paul, we, we, we hear about him as a follower of Jesus. Well, I just talked about how he was converted, made a, made a reference to that. But let's read uh, here in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 9. But before I do, we're going to see something in this story that happens still to this day. Happened thousands of years ago and happens today. And that is this trap of labels and comparison. And what do you do for a living? How do you know that question? People want to find out and define you by what you do. And so long ago, people were caught up with themselves worrying about who had titles and positions. People were wondering about who was the best teacher, who was the best leader, who made the most important, important uh, played the most important part for building God's kingdom. But Paul tells us not to worry about that. Paul tells us that it, it doesn't matter who you are as a purpose, it matters what you do. And so let's read this in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 9, and it says this, and then one of you says, I am a follower of Paul. And another says, I am a follower of Apollos. Aren't you acting just like the people of the world after all? Who is Apollos? Who, who is Paul? 
We are God's servants through him who believed the, believed the good news. Each of us did work that the, that the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting and who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seeds grow. The one who plants, the one who waters and works together for the same purpose. And both are rewarded for their own work. For we both are God's workers. We, you are God's field and you are God's building. See, Paul was saying it doesn't matter who plants the seeds. It doesn't matter who waters the fields. What matters is that God is making it grow. Whatever we find ourselves when we're working according to God's plan, our position, our vocation, our calling, it doesn't really matter as long as you are working for the purposes of God. Now, here's one thing I want to stop and look at. Paul, Apollos, and God. What they did say about themselves is they were co-workers. Do you think of yourself as a co-worker in God's kingdom? It's a great question. See, what the difference between an, an employee and an owner or a co-worker is ownership. I believe when you own something, you value it more than something you don't. When it ain't yours, who cares? But when it is yours, you value it. I learned a great lesson from my brother-in-law a few years ago. We went to D.C. to visit some museums, and we were walking around, and we had our nieces and my kids, and, you know, they're three and four years old. They get tired, and they're cranky and hungry like everybody gets. And so we stop at a McDonald's inside of this museum. And my brother-in-law, he does this amazing thing. Guys, it, it literally blew my mind. While we're eating our Happy Meals, he starts tidying up, and then he looks over while my niece's back is turned. He grabs the toys and throws them in the trash. I'm like, What? You can do that? You can throw these things away? I thought they had to live underneath my seat in my car for three months. I thought my kids would get emotionally attached to Princess Toadstool, and we had to walk around with this little plastic thing until she got into college. But see, what my brother-in-law taught me was is that he didn't, they never understood ownership. It was used for a moment, and then it was tossed away. See, when you live your life apart from God, you live your life apart from eternity. You ultimately don't grasp the value of what God has given your life. When you fail to realize that you're a co-owner of the kingdom of God, you never realize to live up to your greatest potential. When you're unaware or you forget or you don't recognize that your life is in partnership with God, it can seem worthless, without point, purpose, or direction. Your life can feel like it has no value and it's something that is easily thrown into the trash. But listen, your life is with purpose. Your life is just not about what you do, but it's about who you serve. It's about the purpose that God has for your life. Listen, you're not just raising kids. You're raising up the next generation of God's church. You're not just standing on an assembly line, but you get to become the ambassador for Jesus Christ. It's not just, you're, you're not just a college student, but you are the hope that someone needs that is going through a dark season you're not just a doctor. You are using your skills and abilities to be a miracle in someone's life. You're not meant to be used up and tossed out. You have ownership. You have eternal value. Listen to me. When I, when I tell you, business owner, you're not just gathering wealth, but you are the financier for God's kingdom here on earth. You are co-workers in the kingdom of God. Right where you are is right where God wants you. You and I can have the hope of heaven and an eternal life, a peace and comfort knowing whatever sets in front of you, 
You have a role, a position, a calling, and God has a purpose and a plan that was set in motion long ago. So let me read one more verse from Paul. Something that he tells us to what our, what our life looks like when we live on purpose. And it's found in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And it says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Remember the Lord has given you an inheritance as your reward and the master that you are serving is Christ. So regardless of what you're good at, what you're bad at, no matter where you live, how much money you make, every Christian has a purpose. Every day is to live on God's purpose, focusing on heaven and serving Jesus, working willingly for the Lord, serving Jesus. You know what? That can sound intimidating and confusing, but listen, I want to let you know this, is that God, he takes how he designed you and gifted you for a purpose, and he works with that towards his purpose, and ultimately, that is where we will find happiness for your life. See, we can't choose everything that happens to us, but we do get to choose how we react. When we live on purpose, we can find setbacks to be temporary, and we can find that every problem holds potential. Your life is not just what happens. Your life is what's happening in you, not just what's around you. When your life has purpose, when you live it on purpose, and when you accept that, you can have the happiness advantage. And so I want to ask you guys three questions as we wrap up our time together today. And these are three questions to figure out, man, can I have happiness? Can I have this advantage in my life of living with a purpose that's unshakable, that's something more than just what this earth has has to offer, but has the hope of eternity? And that first question is, is are you working with enthusiasm? It's right here in verse 23. It says, are you working willingly at whatever you do? When I think of the word willingly, I think of the word enthusiasm. And listen, this is so great because you know where the word enthusiasm comes from. It comes from the Greek. It comes from in and theos, meaning in God. When you are excited, when you have enthusiasm, you have that, that sense of purpose. You have what would be called the presence of God. And you're like, oh my gosh. So how do you go to work? Do you show up begrudgingly? Oh my gosh. I don't want to be here today. Or do you show up with like, I am so pumped that I get to be here today. Listen, when you are, when you are working with enthusiasm, when you're asking God to be in you, you get more of God and more of God's spirit gets into you and you get to focus on more of the purpose that God has for you. Do you start your day every day with frustration or, or anger? Do you feel soured because of comparison? I don't think that's how we find happiness. The way we find happiness is to show up every day, work in the plans and purposes that God has set up before us, give 110%, thinking every day is an opportunity to live out the purpose that God has for us. We need to remember that, that God just doesn't want us to go through life. But as a follower of Jesus, he wants to give us an abundant life. So wherever you find yourself, 
Every day is a day to live enthusiastically with your purpose. The second question I want to ask you today is that, are you focused on eternity? Are you focused on eternity? I want to share a parable with you that it goes parallel with the story we shared a minute ago with Paul and Apollos. Three bricklayers were asked this question. Hey, bricklayer, what are you doing? The first one said, I'm laying bricks. The second one says, I'm building a church. And the third one says, I'm building the house of God. See, the first bricklayer had a job. The second bricklayer had a career. And the third bricklayer had a calling and a purpose greater than him. And see, as a follower of Jesus, we're called to see our work and our workmanship, what we're designed to do, if that's, if that's sweeping floors, if that's being a teacher, whatever in life God has called you the place to be, when we work for just money, we often find ourselves unsatisfied. But when we put our hearts and our efforts into where we find ourselves, it resonates to something greater, a bigger purpose, bigger than our, ourselves. Something with a larger vision that we can be a part of will ultimately give you a happiness advantage. So is this where you're thinking of your life today? Do you think of your life in a place of eternity? Or is your life and your happiness determined by your circumstances? Sibley, we can sometimes have a twisted view of what happiness means. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go our way. But it does mean that we can choose joy, we can choose hope, and we can choose confidence in God. See, I, as I was thinking through this and I was thinking about how we stay focused on eternity, I was actually reminded of a prayer that is used a lot in recovery. And it's this, it's the last line of the serenity prayer. It says this, and so I may reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you in the next. Are you focused on an eternity? And so are you working with enthusiasm or are you working with eternity? And the last question I want to ask you today is, are you living for Jesus? See, the truth is, is that we all serve someone, something, somebody. Are we serving success? Are we serving the American dream? Are we, are we serving money? Are we serving our pre-financial uh, commitments? The question is, are you being led by Jesus or by something else? Have you lost your focus? Forgotten that you're a partner? Are you far away from God? So listen here in a moment. We're going to give everyone in this, in this auditorium watching online a great opportunity. Pastor Katie is going to come and then she's going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. Well, we believe that is ultimately the best and happiest that you'll be not only in this life, but in the afterlife. Maybe you're not convinced that the Jesus way is the best way. Maybe you don't believe that that's the purpose for your life. The question is, though, is how are you living your life? When you're living a life committed to Jesus, you may have doubts, but you can have peace because of Jesus. When you're feeling confused, you can have clarity because of Jesus. When you are worried, you can have confident hope because of Jesus. When you're living your life on purpose, to live with his purpose, it ultimately brings not only happiness, but peace and hope. You know, 
as I was working through my message last night, I was thinking of a way that I could close. And I think there's no greater way that I can close than to take just another moment and explain what it means to be living on purpose and, and also understanding who we're serving and who Jesus is. And so as I close, and I just want you to think, I'm going to read Psalm 23 and think about how our life is with purpose. But not only that, but who is guiding our purpose? It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and guides me along the path to bring honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod, your staff protects and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies and you honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with your blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in your house forever. When you live your life with purpose, with the purpose of God, you can have the peace and happiness of knowing who you serve. See, the good thing of having Jesus as your shepherd is you are part of his flock. The thing and good thing about Jesus being your shepherd is that he gets to put you in a pasture. You know, the best thing about a pasture is it has walls and barriers. And Jesus doesn't limit you, but he protects you from those things. And you can run as fast and free as you want because you have a shepherd that loves and protects you. And when this life has you weary and has you lost and has you without hope, Jesus will remind you to lay down and find peace and happiness in him. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak of the hope of Jesus, the happiness of this life and the life of eternity with him. God, I pray for people online and in this room right now that they would find themselves far away from Jesus or far away from what they believe is the purpose for their life, that you would give them hope and guidance that know that you have set a path before them long ago that is pleasing and perfect in your will. Amen.